Welcome to PantherCast, the official podcast of TMI Episcopal, where we share stories from our alumni, updates about the school, and help you reconnect and discover what the TMI community is all about. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TMI's PantherCast podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Director of Community Relations. Once again, I'm pleased to bring you the audio of our senior chapel talks from this past week by Karina Samuel, Eddie Garcia, and Evan Will, TMI, Class of 2019. Our first featured talk is by Karina Samuel. Karina began attending TMI in the seventh grade. She hopes to attend the University of Texas at Austin or Purdue University next fall and plans to study biomedical engineering. When not in class, Karina loves to tumble with the cheer team. Thank you for listening, and now enjoy this senior chapel talk. It is the year 1972. In the town of Mulpley in Kerala, India, there was a family. There was a warmth of familiarity and trust between the neighbors in the village. In the family, there was a mother, father, and four children. The eldest a boy and three younger girls. The boy was 13 years old. The father was not feeling well that day, but he didn't think much of it, and he had a family to provide for, and simply went to work. He had a heart attack at his desk. His friend was the first to notice and carried him to the ambulance, but the father died in his friend's arms before reaching the hospital. The boy was not at home, but on a school trip to the movies outside the village. His teacher pulls him aside and gives him a phone call. Monu, you need to come home. There's been an emergency. He got home around midnight. He knew something was terribly wrong. But when he walked in, it wasn't that difficult to put the pieces together with people crying in his living room. The boy looked at his three younger sisters, being 11, 6, and 2, and realized that he was now the man of the house. His baby sisters, we're going to rely on him. This boy is my father. Those sisters, my aunts, have that day embedded in their memories for the rest of their lives. But while this day sounds as tragic as it is, something beautiful came out of it. Resiliency. Their bond has strengthened them no matter what hardships they come across. My aunts and my dad have gone through everything together. They've even managed to one by one make their way to the United States having each other's backs. They were close back then, and 46 years later, they're even closer now. They are forced to be reckoned with, and by their unwavering, unconditional love for each other. However, this love is not just limited among themselves. This love continued with my father and my mother. Even in a different place, with two strangers, unconditional love is revealed. My mother's story starts 5,878 kilometers away from Kerala in Krivirog, Ukraine. She's a small town girl, growing up with the same group of friends throughout high school and college with two loving parents. Unlike my large Indian family from my father's side, none of my mother's family lives in the United States. My mother is the only child, the only one who speaks English fluently. With my mother being from Ukraine and my father from India, this has always raised eyebrows. How does this even happen? How could these completely different, dare I say, random paths cross? 
Also, you may be wondering, how does the whole in-laws thing work? I mean, how do people from complete opposite sides of the world come together as one entity, one family? I think many people underestimate the power of unconditional love. And people may assume that the special feeling is only reserved for close relationships in your life. And it certainly can, but it manifests in different forms. It binds the familiar with one another, like my father and my aunts. And it binds the unfamiliar, even two strangers my parents were when they first met, to open up and fully accept each other. Even though I don't see my Russian-Ukrainian family nearly as often, whenever they visit the U.S., they are greeted with the same open arms that accompany me. Two individuals with different stories, cultures, experiences, and ages. My parents have been the illustration of defying all odds and overcoming cultural prejudice. I always knew the world is not as black and white as it may seem with classmates who come from homogenous background. I've always seen people as people. My West Texas uncle, who is a die-hard Raiders fan, has no problem sharing a beer with my father, who grew up in a village in Kerala. Our family even extends to people who are not related to us. Neighbors who don't have family in the city are my aunts, uncles, sisters, and brothers. My entire family is a compilation of people from all sorts of backgrounds, cultures, and opinions. This has been my norm. Not only do we tolerate each other, but we truly love and would do anything for each other. And I never want to take this for granted. I would like to selfishly think that my family is a special case. This utopia of everyone getting along seems like an unrealistic expectation for our divided world that we live in today. But I know this is possible because I have witnessed it in the bigger community. TMI. Unconditional love is a cornerstone for an open-minded and diverse community, belonging to each other and respecting one another. We can all agree that this is a special place. People from so many different backgrounds are best friends. My class, the class of 2019, is full of the most interesting kids I have ever met. This community doesn't consider differences as a reason for denial. There can be a football player who is super into poetry, a lacrosse player, <laughs> a lacrosse player that is a total robotics nerd, or even a cheerleader that has a love for the classics. These well-rounded individuals will be supported and celebrated. Unconditional love binds this community together whether we're conscious of it or not. TMI has been my home away from home for the past six years because sometimes I spend more time here than I do at my house. The love of TMI doesn't really feel that different from my family at home. And that's why it's so easy to go to school here. The power of unconditional love is seeing past people's differences, which brings a diverse community together. This support group is important, not only for cooperation and productivity as a whole, but for individual growth. Paul McCartney said, the love you take is equal to the love you make. That's what happens in a healthy community. So when you leave this place one day, take some love from this community and make it your own. We have no limits. Thank you.
Our second featured talk is by Eddie Garcia. Eddie began attending TMI as a freshman. He hopes to attend Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, Le Tourneau University, or Texas A&M next fall, where he plans to study mission and commercial aviation. When not in class, Eddie enjoys soccer and running. Thank you for listening, and now, enjoy this senior chapel talk. Time slowed to a crawl. Every detail in the world around me seemed so vibrant and seemed to jump out at me. It seemed as if I could see every branch, leaf, and pebble in the world. As I was making these observations, I remembered that I was in danger. I was not in some dreamy alternate reality, but I was instead flying over the ground horizontally at what seemed like terminal velocity. I soon realized what was going on and saw the ground quickly approaching. So I threw my arms out and braced for impact. After hitting the ground, I remember lying on my back, staring up at the trees in shock of what had just happened. Then panic filled my heart as I feared that my bicycle, my precious bicycle, did not survive the crash. I remember looking to my left and to my right, frantically searching to see if my bike was okay. And I remember letting out a sigh of relief when I realized that it was in fact all in one piece. Satisfied that my bike was okay, I went to the next item on my priority list, which was my GoPro that I was wearing. During these few minutes of the crash, I never once took the time to ask myself if I was okay. It was only until I raised my arms up to take the GoPro off that I realized everything was nowhere near okay. I am no expert in anatomy by any means, but I am certain that the human arm should not have a C-shaped bend at the wrist like mine did. At the emergency room, I was told that my right arm had a major fracture in it and that my left arm had two fractures along with an abnormal bend. I was given two splints and a prescription of painkillers and was told to wait a few days until I could get real casts. It was not until after I got my casts that I realized my life had become a lot more challenging. I first realized this when I tried to get out of the car on the way home. I found that due to the added thickness that the cast added, opening the car door turned out to be an impossible feat as I could not even pull the handle in a way that would not bend my fingers that sent agonizing pain to my wrist. Each day, I came across everyday actions that became harder and harder with two broken arms. Even holding my phone with one hand, something that no one has to even think about, became a challenge. As a result, my phone was dropped quite a lot. The next few days were some of the most boring days of my entire life because I decided to give in and feel sorry for myself. I would spend my days sitting on the couch, watching TV, or even the first YouTube video that popped up. I probably wasn't even paying attention. I felt sorry for myself that I would spend my entire summer sitting on the couch and doing nothing. And because of this mentality, I didn't do anything. Around the third day, it finally clicked. I was having a boring, dull, depressing, and unbearable summer. But not because I had to. Because I was telling myself that is what a summer with two broken arms should look like. From that point on, I decided to change that and I decided I would make the most out of my summer and overcome any problems I faced with a smile. While there's no way I could go back to my normal routine, 
I found workarounds for most of my problems. For example, eating with a fork became nearly impossible, which as a result ended up to a lot of drop silverware at the dinner table and pretty much had the dishwasher always full. To overcome this, I simply jammed the end of the utensil into the opening of my cast and used my arm to shovel food into my mouth. <laughs> After a while, I finally regained the dexterity to eat like a civilized person and probably saved my parents a lot of embarrassment when we went out to eat. To solve my complication about the car door, I started carrying thick rubber bands with me wherever I went. And whenever I wanted to get in or out of the car, I would loop the rubber band over the handle and pull. As the summer went on, I realized that the problems I once thought were life-changing were more of a minor inconvenience at most, and they were not life-altering like I thought them to be. Even though I initially thought that my summer was going to be the most boring summer I have ever had, I made it into one of the most memorable. I got to visit Hawaii, snorkel with manta rays, hike around volcanic sites, and made a ton of memories. Towards the end of the summer, I made more memories with my friends at Hunt, Texas, where we kayaked and fished almost every day. Even though I was not at my peak performance, I had made the most out of my summer. I, had, I did not let my cast get in the way of that. Through my past experiences, I learned that no matter how hard a challenge or situation may seem, it is not the end of the world. You can work your way around the problem. Because of my broken arms, I have grown as a critical thinker. I have learned how to improvise, adapt, and overcome. I also learned that some challenges are too great to overcome by yourself, which is why I am thankful that I had great parents I could lean on every step of the way. Even though I would never want to go through the emotional and physical pain of breaking both my arms at the same time ever again, I am glad that my past self had to go through that trial and learn valuable life skills from it. Now, every morning before I go to school, I see this cast. It reminds me that no matter how hard a problem is and no matter how impossible it may seem, I can and I will overcome the problem. In short, what I am trying to say is, do not let life kick you when you are down. Stand up, get going. The world will keep on moving. Whether you move with the world, that choice is yours. Thank you. Our final chapel talk from last week is by Evan Will. Evan also began attending TMI as a freshman. He hopes to attend Texas A&M University, Pepperdine, or Yale next fall, where he will study biology as a pre-med student. When not in class, you'll find Evan at the gym or playing tennis. Thank you for listening, and now enjoy this senior chapel talk. I've been at TMI going on four years now, and I've noticed that most people write their chapel talks about a huge life-altering event that has made them the person they are today. But I haven't really had a moment like that. I've never been hit by a car or had to cope with losing someone I've loved. So, by those standards, my life has been boring. But I've been making mistakes, learning, and gradually maturing over time. I've hit things with my car, forgotten about assignments, and lied for no reason at all just to be called out by someone that knows more than me. Making mistakes and learning from them is how we learn. 
and I've made plenty. An especially telling example is when I was in seventh grade. I played tennis a lot during my breaks from school. One day, during Thanksgiving break that year, I went with my friend Blake to play a match. We played for about an hour and got bored because our attention spans were the size of a flea's, and we soon started walking around the neighboring neighborhood aimlessly, looking for tennis balls to throw at each other and talking about Beyblades or whatever we were into at the time. Soon, that too got boring and we got riskier. We decided to commit a class three misdemeanor, as all children should do in their lifetime. So, we conversed for a second, walked up to the nearest house, rang the doorbell, and ran. We hadn't planned our escape, though, which left us scrambling for a place to hide. Since we were complete idiots, we thought it would be the best to run to the side of the house, jump their fence, and hide in the backyard. I was the first one to vault the fence and got one of my legs over it successfully, but the other leg wasn't so lucky. And as I swung it over, my footing slipped. I fell onto the rusty wrought iron fence and was impaled by one of the rods like Dracula's teeth through someone's neck. It went about four inches deep into me, somewhere between the top of my left leg and a very important organ, and was... <laughs> and was millimeters away from hitting my femoral artery. Full of adrenaline, I hopped off the fence and right on the ground. I laid there for a minute, trying to understand what had happened. I looked at my wound, then looked at Blake. He turned completely white at the sight of my blood. His eyes widened and his mouth was agape. I told him to call 911 because I was about 90% sure I was going to die. But all he did was stand there and stare leaving me to painfully fish my phone out of my pocket and call an ambulance for myself. <laughs> Once I called an ambulance and they arrived, I had a genius plan to get myself out of this mess. Lie. Poorly. Scared that the ding-dong ditching and possible trespassing would get me in trouble, I told the EMTs that I was trying to jump over a bush but fell into it, and a branch is what impaled me. When I got to the hospital, I kept up telling my lie to the nurses, to my parents, to, th to the surgeon. After she cleaned the wound and stitched me up, the surgeon told me that she didn't find any bark or leaves or dirt or any possible sign that I had jumped into a bush, but I persevered and kept up my charade. I didn't realize that everyone was skeptical of my story until after I had healed and my stepdad and I returned to the crime scene. He asked me to show him what had happened, so I picked a bush and lied through my teeth once again. His face was covered with a knowing look, and he responded with a simple point and said, are you sure? I turned my head and saw that he was pointing at the fence. I realized I had been found out and responded with a soft nod. We walked over to it, and he pointed out the broken tip of one of the fence poles sitting on the ground with red stains on it. <laughs> he gazed at it for a second and chuckled to himself. On the drive home, he probably told me I was dumb about 50 times in various ways, but he also said that because I lied, I could have seriously hurt myself. The doctors didn't really know what happened, so they didn't really know how to treat me. It was a rusty fence that I impaled myself on, after all. 
The next day, I went to Texas Med Clinic for a tetanus shot and was fine, aside from my bruised ego. Mistakes are an everyday occurrence, and my point in this talk is to say that you don't need a huge cataclysmic moment to become an adult. You don't wake up mature. It's a gradual process of screwing something up and then realizing that that was the wrong move. Maturity comes from making little mistakes, learning from them, and living your life. Therefore, the ideology of not wanting to fail or do anything risky is more harmful than you might realize. If you make it a point to always learn from your mistakes, they become beneficial, and the more you make, the smarter you become. So, take risks and make mistakes while you're young. Jump over fences, lie to your doctors, and have fun. I know that none of you want to make mistakes, but in school, work, and life, mistakes are the best way to improve. Just make sure you actually learn from your mistakes. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to TMI's PantherCast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and show ideas, so leave us a comment, email, or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter using at TMI Episcopal. For more news, ways to connect, and to learn about upcoming events on campus, visit our website at www.tmi-sa.org.